0: live on ESPN plus Hercules Gomez Sebi Salazar the US are gold cup champions beating Mexico one nothing in Las Vegas last night just how intense was the post party Hercules is still in Las Vegas he never made it out me the professional back in DC in my home studio what happened you missed
1: your flight No, 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 I'm not leaving till tomorrow. Enjoy (laughs) Vegas, let it soak in. We had trouble starting the show on time. We couldn't find you. I heard a lot of crying out of one of the bathroom stalls. I'm glad we got you here. Are you okay? Uh, I
0: am okay. I am okay. I'm running through the, uh, can you guys see it? The tissue stack there. So it's (laughs) it's been a... uh, a tough start to the week. Look, we got, we got lots to come on this show, of course. We're going to talk about the Gold Cup, both the U.S. and Mexico perspective. Mauricio Pedro is going to join us a little bit later on. We are also going to talk about the U.S. women's national team losing in the semifinal of the Olympics to Canada, a huge shocker uh, right there. But let's start with the Gold Cup. Because for the seventh time, the U.S. men's national team are Gold Cup champions. in Herc, a final that I think we have to say absolutely 100% lived up to the height, if not for quality of play, for quality of drama.
1: Yeah, again, right? Take a look at the CONCACAF Nations League final. The quality of play was lacking, but the drama, the atmosphere, the electricity in the crowd. I mean, Mm. it had everything you'd want in a final. Tension, very tense moments, polemic plays where you get, is it a handball, a sure red card? Why wasn't it called? Uh, Clear misses. Was the Robinson goal offside from some Mexican fans out there? Well, I don't know. Why don't you ask some Mexican fans out there? If you're asking (laughs) me, (laughs) it looked like it was, you know what? The thing with this, and we'll get into it, was it was consistent yep. throughout pretty much. So I didn't expect yep. an offside call.
0: No, I think I, more what I'm saying is that there there was so much in that match to pick out, and that was yeah. just one of the, as you would say, polemic. I would say, uh, controversial moments. Two things that stood out to me is remember a couple months ago on this show, I was worried about the U.S. Mexico rivalry getting watered down. Uh, that concern you did is it is a thing of of the the long forgotten ago past. I mean, US-Mexico is back. I think we can safely say it's one of the best, most intense rivalries in the world. And Herc, if you think about how Mexican and American culture are coming together right now, I don't think there's an equivalent rivalry in international world soccer. It's just so,
1: so Wow, you doubled down. I wanted to ask you, did you say the world, one of the best rivalries in the world?
0: Oh yeah, in the international space, with what we've seen in the last 40 days, I'm convinced you're not.
1: I mean, there's some great rivalries out there. There there seems to be a need for more history, more dominance from both sides, or I should say, not so dominance on both sides. If you look at Mexico and what they did in the earlier years and what the U.S. Men's national team did in the early 2000s, it feels like it's coming back. And I agree with you. And maybe because of the unique, I guess, Perspective we get of living in the States and being Mexican American, both of us, you get a unique sense of what this rivalry really is, and I could jump on board with that. But wow, you're you're putting it up against the likes of Argentina, Brazil, of Brazil, you know, the the England versus Scotland, the England versus Germany, all these different types of great rivalries around the world. That's bold. Look, uh, as far as, like, the final
0: living up to the hype, there's another point that I want to make, and that was what was at stake. Because you spent a lot of time and I spent a lot of time on this show either poo-pooing the tournament itself, right? Kind of downplaying the value of the Gold Cup or playing down what this U.S. team was, a C-team. Um, I really think that a lot was at stake in this final, especially with how the final played out. There was a shift in power in CONCACAF that went Mm. down in this final. That I truly believe, and I think that's what played into the atmosphere last night. If the Gold Cup isn't important, the top spot in CONCACAF between these two surely is.
1: Absolutely. And more because of what had happened, the U.S. men's national team didn't make the World Cup. Mexico is in this "we have to win now" type of mentality with great figures, great players, and they're honestly thinking about like we could make a run in Qatar. Previous World, I should say, was this tournament, uh, and also it felt like a turning of the tide moments, right? It's an injection yeah. of belief to the U.S. soccer fan base. It's we went from not qualifying. A, to a World Cup to all of a sudden be in Mexico in two finals in a span of 40 days, one with an A-team and one mm. with a C-team against their A-team. So this rivalry is back. It definitely meant a lot, but it meant different things for both fan bases, or I should say both programs.
0: So we talk about the generation for this U.S. team a lot, this young generation, just like how good it can be. Ultimately, your generation is is totally judged on your results, right? Like, you might be able to make a claim that the 2010 team was actually better than the 2002 team, but the 2002 team maybe had a better matchup in the round of 16. They go further. They're thought of as kind of the all-time best uh, group of U.S. players because of what they accomplished uh, in the World Cup. I don't know that when I look at this, that I necessarily see that. I see a very, very deep group of US players here that no matter what they accomplish, when we talk of like depth of quality has already proven they're the, the greatest generation yet.
1: Of individual players. I yep. mean, on paper, That's it's pretty hard to dispute death. that. It's right. not even close, right? right. We never to had to dispute a, that the talent pool was there, right? Never before in the
0: history of USA Mexico have you been able to say that a, a US B or C team could beat a Mexico A team. Never before.
1: No, and I I agree with you, but let's not fall into this trap because I fall into this trap before and you you know this and you said it very well yourself. 2002 is kind of the barometer, it's kind of the bar that was set for all these generations. They went Mm. 1-1-1 in the World Cup and they happened to beat Mexico, you know, in that next knockout game to go to that quarterfinal game and then played a great quarterfinal against Germany and ultimately were hard done by maybe what should have been a penalty call at the end, right? The yeah. 2010 team, they ended up winning their group for the first time in World Cup history. 2014 team you know, got out of the group of death, but none of them had the depth that these players have, this pool yeah. has. You didn't have players playing in Barcelona, playing at Chelsea, playing at Leipzig, playing at Dortmund. You didn't have that kind of quality, but those are teams, and that's the difference. Yeah. Let's not fall into this trap again. Those are actual teams that have been in hard moments and grown together, kind of like these last two finals for this U.S. men's national team team.
0: As far as what else we learned, was it a little bit validation for MLS? 19 of the 23 players on this team playing 20. Major League Soccer. Kessler got 20, called 20, up, yes. So. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yep. So 20 of the 23. That's got to be validation for a league that is that has taken its fair share of lumps from the critics.
1: Yeah, a, a lot of lumps from a lot of critics. And also, it makes the, the sting for Mexico sting a little bit more because they mm-hmm. love downplay what is Major League Soccer they love to kind of look at it as you'll never be as good at us we we reign supreme because they do and what is the standees in CONCACAF Champions League and what are these trophies that have been lifted It stings a little bit more. It's a little bit of prestige for Major League Soccer, saying, hey, we're doing some things that are right. And by the way, 22 of those players, or sorry, 20 of those players played in Major League Soccer. Not necessarily the best collection of Major League Soccer players today. If you look at Mm -hmm. it, there are players who could have easily been on here who are in better moments. Uh, uh, Ricardo Pepe, uh, Caden Clark, uh, Kay Cowell, you know, those guys didn't make the list. So you can make that argument as well, but it's definitely feathering the cap for Major League Soccer.
0: So I want to discuss Greg Berhalter. We've obviously talked about him a lot on the show, but the question that I wanted to ask you in our, in our pre-show conference call nearly started a fight, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to word it a little bit differently. Uh, see if you can track with me, right? Scale 1 to right. 10, 1 being the least, 10 being the most. How confident were you that Greg Burhalter was going to successfully qualify this team for the World Cup before the Nations League? Give me a 1 to 10.
1: Before the Nations League, I think I told you like six and a half, right? Is that where okay, I was at? Six and a half. That okay, so was my comfort post, level. Six and a half.
0: Post Nations League beating Mexico. Post Gold Cup beating Mexico. What's that
1: number at now? Seven and a half, eight. And, and That's it has it? to take something. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Because because we've what we've learned he, what from watching What does he have left this. to answer for you? What does he have left to answer for you then? Identity. Identity. Because that's what they promised us, right? That's okay. what Greg Verhalter was touted as. So I want to see these players take the next step in actually playing <laughs> that brand of football that we think they can play, that Greg Verhalter thinks they can play. It's great, and I, I'm with that train of thought. When you play a final, you win a final, mm. okay? You do what it takes to win that final. But leading up to this tournament, I know it's a C team, it's 1 0 wins, very difficult to do. But it isn't exactly convincing football. You didn't exactly okay. win the way that most fans thought this team should play. I don't Did care you, about uh, that. I care about winning a final. But when it comes to what are these other games, what is World Cup qualification, if you say we're going to take this team to the next level, well, I want to see it on the field too. So Greg Halter, he silenced doubts, he silenced critics, and I was one of them, but for now.
0: It has to be down to results, right, especially when you miss the World Cup. But. Um, like, are U.S. fans in a place where they can honestly ask for forms, My asked, like how you played, or are results just good enough for now? Because what you're saying is is you want to see the next step of the evolution. I got to remind you, like, a year ago, this not a year ago, two years ago, this team was losing to Canada for the first time in 34 years with yeah, Greg Berhalter in charge.
1: Yeah, you're correct. And they were behind the eight ball. We've already spoken about it. 13 months without a head coach, interim coach and all the problems that happened and how you were now had, you know, backtrack time and you had to accelerate the process. I understand that. But you have players and I named all these teams, Barcelona, Chelsea's, Leipzig, Dortmund's, Man City's. You know, you have players who are playing Champions League football. You have players who have won a Champions League medal. And we're really going to conform with. Let's just win on set pieces. Let's just be difficult to play against. I get a final is to be won. I am with you. But these players, this type of player, Mm. it leaves us wanting more. So Greg Berhalter silences critics, and I am one of them. I am 100% on board with that. But it can't just be about that, right? Because if you look at the way they won this tournament, I I mean, they got outplayed for long stretches against many teams. Yeah. Yeah. If Matt
0: Turner doesn't have the tournament he has, they probably don't make the final they might not even make the semifinal exactly. like that's how good he was. And that's how up against it uh, the US team was as well. So Greg Berhalter hurt no doubt one of the big winners of the Gold Cup. I think Miles Robinson as well, not just because of the, yeah. the game winning goal in the final, which obviously you know, is, is a huge moment for him in a, in a young career, but also because of the position he plays as a center back that is such a position of need as we turn our, our heads forward towards World Cup qualifying um, is Miles Robinson in the discussion for like? a starter?
1: I mean, is, is he an A-team starter? Is he in that realm right now? Well, I, maybe he could be in that realm. I'll tell you what he is in the discussion for. It, it's It's a move overseas, which will get him completely into that realm. He's so composed in that position. On the ball, off the ball, his maturity but he's got some recovery speed he's got physical tools about him as well i think he's got the tools to make the jump abroad and be a consistent player in what is honestly not that deep of a convincing pool and then walker zimmerman who was right there and fighting for those minutes now injured aaron long as well now injured chris richards still trying to get into the mix who's got a bright future john brooks really being the only player who can say this is my position
0: yeah plus you know they like might want to play, might want to play at times with three center backs, so an extra spot opens yeah. up there um, for Miles Robinson. Opposite side of the pitch, Giassi Zardes, right now, is he your number one, number nine in the pool coming out of this tournament? Despite the fact, and I don't know, maybe you wouldn't agree with this, I thought he wasn't that great in the final for his, for as well as he played in the other matches.
1: This is going to sound funny, but I think he was great at what Greg asked him to do. Okay, Greg asked him to make it difficult. Greg asked him to work hard. Greg asked him to be a handful. He didn't necessarily ask, and I don't want to put words in there, but to be tactically the guy who finishes things. You know, yeah. it was more of you're going to fight, you're going to defend because Mexico, we can't give them these spaces. We got to pressure them. I-, I thought the pressure from the U.S. men's national team against the Mexican defense, the way they high pressured was immense and it was actually something that gave them these opportunities at goal. But this is going to infuriate you. I don't think Jesse's Zardes is the starting 9. I don't know who the starting who 9 is? Is. Who is? That's the biggest that question problem? for me. That's the problem, because Josh Sargent hasn't taken a hold of it. Daryl Dekas mm-hmm. surely hasn't taken a hold of it here. Uh, Jordan Sabichu hasn't taken a hold of it. You that's look at what at I'm the saying. Congress it's Zardas
0: almost by default, Herc. It's Zardas almost by default. And you know Greg Verhoelter's very
1: comfortable with that. He is. He is. And that's the problem. Uh, and I think CONCACAF will present different things throughout Mm -hmm. different parts of qualifying campaigns, where it'll be Jossi Sardis, where it may be Josh Sargent at home, where maybe Matthew Hoppe gets a run at what is that number nine position, though I doubt it because he showed Greg a lot, that he's a handful out wide. It could be a variation of things, but this is the one position that infuriates me because nobody's made it their own.
0: Uh, one more player you have to talk about with this U.S. team is Matt Turner. Um, what a tournament, what a final. And it was actually funny. We were, we're in the stadium, and they're handing out the, the player of the tournament, and they give it to Hector Herrera, who's then got to go over and take a, a kind of sad-faced picture with Matt Turner, who had the goalie um, of the tournament award there. So uh, should Turner actually have been the best player in this, in this Gold Cup?
1: He was the best player in this Gold Cup. Definitely I, the most I know valuable, many... right? Definitely, the most absolutely. Valuable. I know many are saying Miles Robinson, you know, hell of a tournament. <laughs> You're not in the position to fight for this final without Matt Turner. Matt Turner in every single game faced double-digit shots. Every single game, Matt Turner was massive. It was one of the best goalkeeping performances I have ever seen this tournament for mm-hmm. Matt Turner. And against Qatar, if Matt Turner is not on the field. You're not playing this final qatar's playing this final matt turner was immense matt turner was by far the most decisive and the best performer for the u.s men's national team he was the best player in this tournament
0: and we talked earlier in the tournament about the fast starts for the u.s i think a lot of that was down to matt turner because he made a lot of early great saves in games when the u.s was shaky defensively in the first 15 minutes or half hour and i think that was really big for the u.s throughout the tournament. So, the US side of things, everything's looking great. South of the border, Herc, things are, uh, well, how do we say this, quite Ooh, a caliente. different story. Yes, absolutely. Things in Mexico, as we take a look at the headlines, not very happy. Mexico losing a Gold Cup final to the United States and their I mean, did second CONCACAF that one say, that one say humiliate
1: against the B squad? Is that days, what it says? Yeah. Oh. 40 Otra days. Dolorosa caída. Oh, you hear that? Another I grito, no copa. Do you read that one? I grito. The grito was there, but not the cup.
2: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Look
0: at that. Look who joins us now, Mauricio Pedrosa. Now, uh, Ma- how are you, I would ask, recovered from the game itself, but also recovered from the first ever, the inaugural Ahora Nunca, Football América's Weekend Abroad in Las Vegas. What a moment, what a moment.
2: Yeah, I don't know what was uh, even more intense, the game itself or our weekend together in Vegas. I don't know how many times a year ESPN is going to let us do that. I'm recovered. I think I feel better now. I was very sad. I was disappointed last night. Back in L.A., I feel a little better. But we do, we do need to talk about some issues with the Mexican national team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, September 21st, Leagues Cup final. We might be back there in Las Vegas just telling the bosses, put it on the calendar. Uh, Let's get into this, right? So um, a lot of the conversation around this Mexican team is going to be around Tata Martino. But before we talk about him, let's hear what he actually had to say after the game. Some very interesting words and choices of words from the Mexican manager.
3: Creo que hemos competido bien contra ellos en las dos finales. Uh, Hicimos un desgaste muy grande. Tuvimos grandes momentos del partido a favor nuestro. eh, Con lo cual no debería ser eh, ninguna eh, catástrofe para nuestro interior el hecho de haber perdido. Sí creo que son derrotas que duelen, de las cuales tenemos que sacar la... La experiencia necesaria, pero que en definitiva este, buscaremos seguir este mejorando dentro de una propuesta que estamos llevando adelante desde hace dos años y medio esta parte.
0: Two losses to the United States in continental finals in forty days.
2: Mau, catastrophe or not? not a catastrophe i'm gonna agree with tata martino and getting to know him a little better i understand what he's doing that's exactly what he has to say to the media that's exactly what he has to say to the public but i'm sure that uh, from the inside of that locker room talking when he goes back and gets together with his staff with with the players he obviously knows there are a lot of things that this team has to do better but i think we have to pump the brakes yes Mexico lost the Nations League final against the U.S. Yes, Mexico lost the Gold Cup against the U.S. But honestly, you guys, those games mean nothing. Absolutely nothing. The Gold Cup gives you nothing. The Nations League means nothing. So that's the right approach. And again, I'm ready to pump the brakes in this Tata Martino out of Mexico train because Tata (laughs) Martino so far had been doing a good job as the Mexican national team manager. I'm gonna say something that I don't know if Herc is gonna agree with me or not, or you, Sebi. But yesterday, it was not Tata Martino's fault. I think we have to start pointing the fingers mm. at some players, mm. their fitness. After the 60th minute mark, the, the, the tank was empty for most of them. So, I'm gonna give Tata Martino uh, el voto de confianza. I'm gonna trust him, because he was doing the right things. There were just 12 games during this summer for the Mexican national team. That's a lot.
1: Oh, mm. well, isn't that on Tata Martino? I mean, who's not rotating these it's players? Who, who decided to play Funes Mori and Tecatito in every single game? Who decided to play Ache Ache in every single game? You ask why these players are tanked towards the end of the games and why they have fitness issues, you know, with this congested schedule. Now, catastrophe, yes. Maybe not for Tata Martino, because Tata Martino's looking at this and saying, I was in Barcelona. Those are problems. Hey, that's being under the microscope. I was at Paraguay. I was at Argentina and lost two finals to Chile. Those are problems. Being in CONCACAF here? Nah, but hey, he's done a great job before this. What were they, friendlies? One one gold cup? We gotta take a look at what this is and what the region is and where you play. You're the Mexican national team coach. Of course, it's a catastrophe. Maybe not to you, but to the general public and to the press.
2: Well, but we, we have to address it and let the general public know that we, we cannot come on TV and on ESPN Plus and speak as aficionados, like fans. No, we, have, we mm. have to break it down. We have to sit down and try to analyze why things happen. And you ask a good question. Why was not Tata Martino rotating this team? Because he didn't have any players. Mm-hmm. Who, who was he going to look at the bench at and say, you're going to come and try to fix things? Rodolfo Pizarro? He was not even a part of this squad. They had to call him up because of of injuries. This team had no depth whatsoever because he had to split a, a team for the Gold Cup and a different team for the Olympics. So That's why I understand where he's coming from and I agree with him. Nothing has been lost. Let's wait for the World Cup qualifiers. Let's hope Chucky Lozano comes back. Let's hope Raul Jimenez comes back and most likely it will be a different story. I know we're not supposed to speak as fans, but I mean, come on.
0: Mexico hadn't lost a competitive game to the US since 2013 to lose twice in 40 days. Fine. Mal, I understand what you're saying. I, it, it may not be catastrophic from a footballing perspective, but from a fan perspective, it does feel very catastrophic. It feels like the ground underneath the Mexican national team. They debuted uh, shifting Henry Kessler right last
1: night. George Bello who's got 19 years old. They had players like Shaq, Morris, Sam Vines coming on to the game. You're talking about subs and Rafa Pizarro who makes what 3 million plus dollars a year to these Major League Soccer players who make how much? It, 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 it's a US Men's National Team C team that just embarrassed Mexico's A team. I mean, let's not talk about the players who are at the Olympics who embarrass- realistically, it was not an the only player that's in the starting 11.
2: Come on, it was not an embarrassment. It was a close game. It went to extra time and the U.S. found the goal uh, three minutes before penalty shot. So it was not an embarrassment. Uh, Yes, those players, those U.S. players were playing the game of their life. That Mm -hmm. was the most important game for many of those players. Héctor Herrera has been through so much. Edson Alvarez, it was not the most important game for his career. Not even maybe for Alfredo Talavera, Carlos Salcedo. They were done. They didn't want to play this game. They didn't want to play this tournament. So that's the big difference to me. Again, come World World Cup Qualifier time, these players are going to have a different approach to every single game. That's why I will repeat it. It is not a catastrophe. Yes, the US men's national team won both games. Applausos. really good. (laughs) This means nothing in perspective for the Mexican national team.
0: Okay, enough, enough on Tata Martino. Let's talk about another Argentine that has to do with the Mexican national team, Rogelio Funes Mori. Uh, coming into this <laughs> tournament, it seemed like the perfect opportunity, Mao, for him to grab that number nine, that top striker spot. We can forget about Chicharito. We don't have to rush Raul back. Take your time. Rogelio Funes Mori is gonna be the guy. This was the tournament he was supposed to convince against CONCACAF competition. Did he do it?
2: Uh, he played well and here he in the spot. He's gonna be. Uh, Did he are in the number, number, nine number nine after one Raul Jimenez. spot?
0: Did he are in the number one spot? Are you convinced though that he's the number, no, number nine one. for the short-term future of Mexico?
2: <laughs> number one spot is for Raúl Jiménez, and, no, and unfortunately, thank God, he's doing well. He's playing. He's getting more minutes. He already scored, and maybe I believe he's you're gonna counting get on Raul Jimenez for, for the, the qualifiers in the fires. fall. No, that's you, you can't count on. Rowe he Jimenez will be for the fall. up, but I'll answer your question. I'll answer your question. If he's not, if he's not ready, then mm-hmm. Rogelio Funes Mori earned his spot. He will play. Wow. He scored four goals. Four goals. He played almost six hundred minutes. He gave two assists. And truth be told, he was one of the best players all uh, d- during the Gold Cup tournament. I know he missed some big opportunities. I know yesterday he had two clear chances to score. Those things happen. And I will ask another question. If it's not Rogelio Funes Mori and Javier Hernandez is clearly out of the picture, Mm -hmm. then who is Mm -hmm. it then? Santiago Jimenez? Henry Martin? It's Rogelio Funes Mori's spot. And trust me, Tata Martino also agrees with me. That I know. Herc, you agree? Here's the thing.
1: Tata Martino... Doesn't care what we think. Tata Martino, this is a given, brought Rogelio Funes Mori to be the man, to be the guy. If Raul Jimenez isn't there, he's going to be the starting nine in the World Cup for Mexico. That's why Tata Martino brought him. Not to be part of the player pool, to play. Raul Jimenez has to be the number one. But Raul Jimenez isn't healthy enough for us to say he's back on the national team. When he proves that, he's de facto number one because he's so good and because what he's done in the past. But right now it's Rogelio Funes Mori because Javier Hernandez, Tata Martino's has made that decision. Henry Martin at the senior national team level has not been that player. Alan Pulido, yeah. neither. So what are you going to do? He was brought here to be the man.
0: Guys, when Mexico struggles, it always seems to be about kind of two things. Poor finishing, right? Like wasteful chances and mismanagement, especially on defensive set pieces. It's not a secret to anybody and it certainly was not a secret to Hector Herrera after last night's game.
3: Creo que estábamos tranquilos porque creo que hemos sido dueños del partido, hemos creado muchas oportunidades de gol que no pudimos concretar y creo que hoy, el día de hoy, nos hizo falta esa eficacia que habíamos tenido en otros, en otros partidos o esa contundencia, por ahí. Y, y bueno, al final te, te pasa factura, ¿no? Balón parado que sabíamos que ellos hacer daño lo han hecho
0: otra vez. All four US goals offset pieces. When is this gonna get figured out?
2: Okay, so let me give you a couple of stats. During this 12 game streak for Mexico in the summer, they conceded a total of six goals, two of them. We're coming off set pieces. So it's mm-hmm. not that it's a big issue. And I understand, I've been it's a downplaying big issue against the some of your States. doubts about United States. It's a big game. issue against your biggest I rival now. I, I understand, so here's my next point. I cannot downplay how poor center back play was for Mexico in this past 12 games. And Tata Martino, I know he's very worried because the, the, the pair that he likes, Hector Moreno and Carlos Salcedo, both are playing at a very, very poor level. Uh, mm. Center back number three, Nestor Araujo. He can give you a good game, he can give you a very bad game, but yes, it is an issue. And the most surprising thing, and I know Herrick also agrees with this, this was not a problem under Juan Carlos Osorio. There you go. Under Juan Carlos Osorio, set pieces used to be something that, uh, they, it, it got fixed, it was not a problem. Now, I don't think it's the biggest problem. There are other problems at set pieces. Again, conceding six goals, only two coming off set pieces. Against the U.S., something has to be done. Because, yes, against this team, it is a problem.
0: Yeah, Herc, it's really the deciding factor between the two teams if we look at these games.
1: It has been. It has been in the Nations League. All the goals were off set pieces and you know, the penalty kick uh, Christian Pulisic and then three other set piece goals, header goals. So you would have to say that's an issue, but Mao's right. This wasn't an issue with Juan Carlos Osorio and here's breaking news. Same players with Juan Carlos Osorio <laughs> that Tata Martino now has and it's an <laughs> Little issue. Younger.
4: <laughs>
0: Little younger. But it's the
1: same players essentially and you could say center back parents or whatnot, but when it's a set piece, it doesn't matter if you're a center back, if you're a midfielder, if you're a forward. It's concentration. It's a termination. It it's It's the willingness to know the commitment that this guy's not getting ahead of me. I'm going to win the position here, and we're not getting scored on on a set piece. It's that easy. But it always happens to Mexico. What used to be a strength under Juan Carlos Osorio, all of a sudden, an Achilles heel with Tata Martino.
0: Okay, Mao. before we let you go, uh, one more thing on the manager, Tata Martino, because you're, you're talking to all of your colleagues down at ESPN Deportes all the time. You see everything that's on Herc's timeline that he's telling me, uh, how everybody wants Tata Martino out. I, I know you think that he should stay. Do you think that he will yeah. stay? Do you think the Federation will hold firm here yes. and keep him as the manager despite the pressure?
2: He's not compromising the business yet, which is qualifying for the World Cup. He will stay, put. I do ask the question, does Tata Martino want to continue? That is a question that I want to bring up to the table. That's for a different day. That's for a different conversation. But as, as far as the federation is concerned, Tata Martino is the manager for the future. Wow.
1: Well, Could you
0: imagine the breaking news, Football Americas, if he walks away from the job? What are you going to say, Eric?
1: <laughs> no, I agree with Mao about what he want to continue because Tata Martino's sitting here and going like man I didn't have to deal with this stuff at Barcelona at this level. I'd have to deal with it in Argentina. Like exactly. I gotta deal with it at a CONCACAF level and get all this now, no. But uh, You said something very interesting. Compromise the business. You saw what mm. happened in Chapo de la Torre in that 2014 World Cup campaign. You gotta yep. settle down. If they start off a bad way, I'm telling you, he's gone.
0: All right, fair enough. Hercules Gomez, Mauricio Pedro Samal, thanks so much for the time. We'll see you this week on Ahora Nunca.
2: Adios, amigos.
4: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: Well, Mondays are never fun. They're less fun when the U.S. lose in the Olympic semifinals against Canada. Allie Krieger joining us now on Football Américas. Allie, let's get right to it because we've got a lot to talk t- to you about on this game, but it comes down to a penalty uh, in the 74th minute. Just give me your straight-up reaction. Was it a foul? Was it a penalty on Tierna Davidson?
5: Unfortunately, yes, it was a foul. Um, I think that, you know, in those moments when you don't see the player coming in behind, mm. um, I think she could maybe sell it a little bit more. Um, and and uh, maybe we could have gotten a foul called for us, but um, yeah, I mean that was that was a clear foul for me, unfortunately. And um, yes, it was kind of right on the line, I- inside the box or outside the box. But um, you know, with VAR now and in- implementing, you know, the-, the extra eyes to see, I think they got it right.
1: Herc, pen for you. Absolutely. Stone cold penalty. I'm asking myself what happened on this play because it starts off at the other end of the field with the the Canadian goalkeeper. Long play gets flicked on. Rose has, I don't know, a a 10 yard disadvantage over Tierna Davidson. And Tierna Davidson, I don't think she knows that she's on her blind side or she thinks she can get there. She's too much confidence going on. Comes out of nowhere. She's trying to clear the ball last second. Last stitch effort connects with the player. It's a stone cold penalty.
0: All right. I thought maybe, maybe Rose might have initiated contact, but maybe I was uh, watching out through my red, white, and blue glasses this morning, uh, so <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that discussion for another day. Ali, I'm trying to figure out, like, so how do we explain how a team that's number one in the world, so good, um, had such a poor performance, not just on the day, but also in the tournament? Let's talk specifically about this game and the injury to a listener. Um, obviously I don't think I don't think anybody, a listener, is saving the penalty that Jesse Fleming hit, but the psychological impact of losing your starting goalie and your star from the last game. Do you think that impacted uh, the U.S. women today?
5: Yes, absolutely. I think first and foremost, I, you know, I care for Alyssa so much and think she's been such an amazing player this tournament and uh, one of the ones that has actually stepped up for the U. S. To make things happen and be an impact player. So of course it was devastating for her to go off and for her to save three or four penalty kicks um, this tournament and then have to go off in such a crucial and um, clinical game for the U. S. Was was definitely I'm sure um, you know really upsetting for the players. You see one of you know the solid um, impact players in the back five go down, and, and your goalkeeper and one of your leaders, it's definitely, it hits it hit hard, I'm sure, for a lot of the players to see that.
1: Ali, I'm looking at this lineup, and there were three changes uh, from the last game versus the Netherlands, one in each line. Uh, and not only just this game, but in general throughout the tournament, lots of rotations. Could that have kept the U.S. women's Team from playing their best, not just versus Canada, but overall in the tournament?
5: Yes, I feel the same. I feel the inconsistency of the lineups from game to game was difficult for the players to form a sense of cohesion, connection, and ultimately confidence within the lines. Um I understand that, you know, with such you know uh, games back to back every three days, it's really difficult. You want to keep everyone healthy. you want to, you know, allow everyone to give one hundred and percent every single moment. But I do think in these games, I was really surprised um, that I didn't see, Uh, you know, some of the players that you would normally see at least these past six months really have an impact on the game, especially in the front three. So, yeah, there was a few half chances, lots of possession, but you know, missed attacking threat and I think that was a cause of the inconsistencies throughout the tournament.
0: Ali, as we, you know, kind of try to explain this further, I don't know if you notice this or if you sense this, but when I watched this U.S. team, I, I saw them tired and really what I saw was not having the overwhelming physical advantage that they've had in other tournaments, especially like late in games. We talked a lot in the build-up to this tournament about the average age of this roster being over 30 years. Do you think age played into it for this team?
5: No, not necessarily. I feel like for the World Cup, it was a similar roster, just a couple uh, changes. But I feel like the past two Olympics tournaments have been somewhat of a thought of as a building year for Mm. uh, the Federation, which I need to disagree with that. I feel like you have to win now, not necessarily in three years. I understand that you want to develop players. And yes, we lost a year from COVID. So you have to give these younger players an opportunity. But I do feel that uh we need the best players in order to win and you need your best team in order to win so i feel like we invest so much in the nwsl and our american league here that that is a place where we need to develop players we need to prepare them for the highest level um not necessarily wait for you know big tournaments like these so i do feel like both olympic years back in 2016 i think our coaching staff did the same and it didn't necessarily work out for us and then once again here i felt like that was a bit repeated so you know i I think that obviously the younger players they have proven that they deserve to be there Um, and then some of the veteran players you know they've been a part of three four tournaments you know in this cycle so you would think that the cohesion would be there and and the mentality would be there but I, I don't know this this you know obviously was surprising to all of us. Ali it's not just
1: any defeat. It's Canada. It's a local rival, a rival you've not lost to since two thousand one. That's thirty six straight games and now you lose to him. Does the fact that it's Canada sting that much more for these players?
5: yes for sure I mean for me and I'm not even there and it stings um, I feel like in the past you know 20 years we have dominated um, you know both of our neighboring countries on Mexico and Canada and and it's such a huge game it's always been such a rivalry for us and um, we've we have battled it out over the years and ultimately we've come out on top so I knew going into this game it was going to be another battle in Canada obviously had showed that they don't fear us anymore that they feel like we are beatable and they showed that today with their intensity and um you know mindset and so that in itself proves that we need to continue to get better as as a nation and and you know developing players and and as a team because we can't think and assume going into tournaments that we automatically are going to win we actually have to put in the work and and get fitter faster, stronger each and every time, no matter how good we may be going into tournaments.
1: Okay, it may be the first win since 2001, but that's the second straight Olympics where Canada's outperformed the U.S. women. Uh, Is Canada catching up to the U.S.? What's going on here?
5: Yes, I think not only Canada, but a lot of the teams around the world are catching up. I feel like, you know, in previous years, teams would fear us and already assume that they would be losing once you step out onto the field. And now I feel like, you know, for the first time, the world saw that the U.S. was a beatable team. After that, you know, first game, teams are now thinking, okay, you know, we have an advantage Uh, we can possibly You know, put them under pressure, get their backs to goal, um, put them on their back heels. And uh, they're adjusting the lineup so often that maybe they do, you know, uh, if they have some consistency, um, you know, they can put up a good game against us. So this is the first time I've felt that. And uh, I'm sure the players saw it as well.
0: So, Ali, there's. As weird as it sounds to say, there's still another game to go. There's still a medal to play for, uh, the bronze against Australia. What is the difference for this team, though? Because everything that we were told pre-tournament was expectation is gold. It's gold or bust. So what's the difference between third and fourth place to this team? Like, What will their approach be to this bronze medal match?
5: Yes, I mean, we play to win. Always. We play to win every transitional moment, every pass, every uh, interception, every game, every training. You play to win 5v5 through 11v11. We're out there um, busting our butts and, and, you know, rolling our sleeves up. And I feel like this is the game to win. You want to go home with a medal. And I understand that it's bronze. It's obviously, you know, disappointing and, and not what the U.S. wanted to leave uh, and bring home but this is another match and this is an important match and we have to win so I, I I understand that you know it's really tough to kind of move on from this game because we assumed we were you know hoping to be in that final um, going for gold and, and, and bringing that home but now the focus is winning against Australia and they obviously um, had a great game against us so Uh, we need to just be prepared for that and kind of hit the reset button, uh, and refocus for, for this win coming up.
0: All right, let's get to the fun stuff. I know you're a diehard viewer of football America, so you know, the segment. Run it back, we usually bring you highlights from wherever it may be. But today's run it back, you're gonna want to stick around for. And maybe help us walk, walk us through it. Cuz this is you at your playmaking best this weekend <laughs> oh for Orlando Get against it. Louisville. Get it. Herc, watch this, watch her step in. There's like six touches before a beautiful pass to Sydney LaRue. Me. This is Washington Post All-Med Player of the Year material, Allie.
5: <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I was so fired up. I said, well, it just opened up like the Red Sea down the middle of the park. So, um, you know, that's what it gets for playing a 2 2, two uh, in the middle. No, I just felt like no one was stepping to me. No one was pressing. So I said, listen, I'll just keep going. And um, obviously, Sydney LaRue made space, um, you know, had a great position. And I'd rather her shoot 100 times <laughs> over than me. So,
3: I, I you said. Didn't, you you didn't, you can't didn't think catch about
0: Sorry. <laughs> you didn't think about shooting. I would have thought for sure after after that run, you were thinking about pulling up from about thirty.
5: I mean, next time I might, but she was screaming for it, and she there was closer go. to goal at the time, yep. and I was like, yeah, I'll give it to you. Yes,
0: <laughs> I know, I know. When those forwards get mouthy and they're yelling in your ear that they want something, you just you That's got right. you got to feed them. So I know how, it, it. Feed I know how it is. feed She's
5: doing really well, so I had to feed <laughs> she her. She
0: is. Absolutely. All right. Well, continue to good luck with Orlando, and we'll see you soon here on Football and Magic. Allie, thanks again for the time. Appreciate you.
5: Thank you. Thank you, Bo. Thanks, Allie.
4: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you again try jets signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be
0: all right that's going to do it for this edition of football america's herk great as always to be with you look at you you got swag you got cups you got everything you left your wallet in vegas
1: you left no. your wallet with your dignity, and you took your L. You took your L as well.
0: No, no, we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, Mexico against Brazil in the semifinals. Previewing the U.S. women and everything else um, as well. We'll see you on the next edition of Football Americas here on ESPN Plus.